Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks for the downloads. Thanks for the replies on Twitter. Thanks to the uh, reviews you've left on uh, Stitcher app or on iTunes or any kind of podcatcher. Really appreciate it. You're here each and every week talking hockey. And with me to talk hockey, TSN color analyst, 18 years in the in the league, everybody, the great Ray Ferraro. What's up, Ray? How are you? I'm doing good. I'm uh just on my way to Edmonton, had the game last night in Calgary, the Leafs game, and um, um, in moving into a new house this week, which is actually yeah. really good because I'm in Calgary and the house is in Vancouver, <laughs> and uh, I, I think Cammie knew I was joking, Cammie's my wife, for right. those that don't know, and um, as I was leaving, I said, uh, hey, see what you can do about the place by Friday when I get back, would you? And uh, I think she knew I was joking, right? because if... Anybody that has moved, no matter how well you think you're prepared, it's a debacle. Like, you open up a box of stuff, and you're like, why do I have this? Like, where has it been? I haven't – we've been in a rental house. Like, we're building – you know, we built this new place, and Uh we're super excited. So, like, we haven't seen stuff in a year. And it's funny. We've lived just fine without whatever the hell it is we're finding. Yeah, yeah. Are right? you, You're like, yeah. oh, would you look at that? Huh. I didn't even know we had that anymore. Why do we need it? <laughs> You're like, look, an old whaler jersey. <laughs> oh, no, no, but I mean, like, yeah. never mind that yeah, stuff. Yeah, that yeah. stuff's been packed for two, literally two years. We have boxes of stuff yeah. that we have to go through. We don't even know. It's all memorabilia, and Cammy has as much as I do. Mm-hmm. And we're like, I don't even know what the hell's in there. Right? Like, you yeah. just don't know. We opened up a couple boxes. I'm sure you've done this when you moved. Like, you're, you're, you know, you're labeling everything, and then you get near the end, and you're like, okay, look, I just want to get out of here. So, yeah. like, we're, we're opening up stuff that it says, you know, master bedroom on it. Yeah. And there's, like, two kitchen spatulas, <laughs> a couple of boots, right, uh, right. a winter hat. Yeah. Like, I guess this stuff was just sitting around, and we just must just- have said... Just get it in a box and yeah. get it out of here. Yeah, moving is the worst. I, I've only done one big one from an apartment to the house I'm currently in, but we want to buy. And, uh, of course, we've expanded this three-bedroom house. Oh, it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be a nightmare. Yeah, you just uh, – so, anyways, um, yeah. I left. Yep. I'm sure it will be way down the road organized by the time I get back Friday. <laughs> and then I'll – I have made uh, two contributions so far, though, i got to say. Yeah. I went out to the district and ordered the new garbage can and recycling can, nice. and they got the recycling bins. So that was yep. number one. Uh huh. And then I um, I went to Walmart and picked up like some like a mop and a broom and like basically Cammy said, "You're not very helpful here, so go <laughs> good, good get job some toilet paper, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And paper towel, and 
stuff like that. Right. Nice work, Ray. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Key contributor, the garbage can and the mop. Nice. Yeah, that's actually it. And, and when you think of it, it is a key contribution because you need them both. Yeah. No, absolutely. Although uh, it, it really wasn't much by me, I got to <laughs> say. Uh, it, it is, uh, yeah. Cammy's the true hero of this deal, for sure, without a doubt. Yeah, that's not of question. Um, okay, so you're in Calgary. What a what a game by my Toronto Maple Leafs last night. Calgary's been rolling. Um, and Leafs just shut them down, man. I mean, they played a really good game. I, I was impressed. Well, the uh, in the morning, um, it was pretty clear that uh, Mike Babcock was. I won't say he was on the war path, but mm-hmm. he was like he was dialed in. He's. I don't think the Leafs, you know, by their own admission, haven't played very well. Um, even though the record is really good and they got lots of points, and um, they they haven't they haven't really been sharp. Right, and so Babcock. Uh, in the Washington game, uh, during the third period, I guess he was, or during the second period, was talking to the guys about, well, not talking to them, <laughs> telling them, like, you don't come to work. That's, you know, you're, the optional morning skates are gone. They're, so they skated a full skate yesterday. They practiced a full practice. Yeah. On So they, had, they came out on Sunday. They flew out. They played Saturday night against Washington. Played pretty well, I thought. Yep. Flew out on Sunday. Full practice Monday, full morning skate Tuesday. That doesn't happen a lot anymore. And then they played a terrific game uh, in the 4-1 win against Calgary. I will bet everything that they have a full morning skate on Thursday. (laughs) For sure, right? Like last year, Babcock wouldn't let those guys have optional skates because on the few times he did, they pooped the bed. And so they lost that right to have the mornings <laughs> off. He felt that they weren't preparing. Yeah. So he, he went back to it last night, and they were sharp. I mean, Calgary had 20 shots. That's the lowest total Toronto's given up this year. Um, Anderson made one unbelievable save mm-hmm. uh, in the first period on Matthew Kachuk. But for the most part, I would say he was good. He didn't have to be great because he has been great. Mm-hmm. Like his last eight starts, he's got a uh, over 95% uh, save percentage. I mean, he's been he's yeah. been brilliant. Um, but last night it was line after line. They just shut Calgary down. Calgary's got that, you know, it's that first game of the road trip. I almost hate sounding like a cliche. Yeah. But teams have tried just about everything when they come back off a road trip. They tried a morning skate. They've tried no morning skate. They tried practicing the day before or not practicing the day before. They've they've changed their meal times. I mean, they've tried everything. And you generally come back and you don't have much energy. And I thought Calgary played a pretty good first period. Toronto played better towards the second half Mm -hmm. of that period. And then after that, they just couldn't keep up. Yeah. And was really interesting to see, like, um, you know, Kadri has, you know, there's been a lot of chat over the last couple of years how Babcock uses them as a matchup guy. Yeah. And yep. last night they played nose to nose against Sean Monahan, Michael Furland, and Johnny Goudreau, who's been one of the hottest lines in the league. They played Matthews nose to nose with him. Mm-hmm. Shift to shift to shift. And Matthews Hyman, who was, I think, the best Leaf last night, I thought he was awesome. Uh, and Connor Brown, mm-hmm. they shut down the Goodrow line. 
last night. They didn't they didn't get anything. And and then Kadri's line just beat up on Michael Backlund's line. Um so you know, Kadri scored, Komarov got the empty netter, um, but they, they dominated uh, that matchup as well. I'd, I don't know how, or I can't even really think of anybody that I went, eh, it wasn't yeah. very good last night. I, You know, Bolzak and JVR, I think, had real quiet nights. But Marner was terrific. He may never score again. <laughs> I know, right? It's, he, he, I, I mean, yeah, he, yeah. He's... They're getting, I, I, after a while, when you're a guy that's supposed to produce offense, the last thing you want to hear from anyone is, "Oh, you're getting the chances." Right. You want to you want to <laughs> smash them over the head with your stick. You're like, "Yeah, I know I'm getting chances, and none of them are going in." Yeah. He was, I thought he was terrific last night. Yeah, he was really good. You're right about JVR. Never really saw him once. Never heard him really once. Um, hey, so that's how I. Yeah. That's one of my measures, Steve. By yeah. the way, is that if I can't recall my play-by-play guy, Gord Miller or Chris Cuthbert, yep. if I can't recall them saying the player's name, then I know they've had a really quiet <laughs> it's, night. It's a good indicator, right? It's a good indicator. You're like, oh, my God, he yeah. hasn't even said his Every once in a while, he'll say a guy's, they'll say a guy's name in the yep. second period, and I go, whoa, yep. the first time I've heard his name. Yep. Now we've seen Babcock uh, right now. Willie Nylander is kind of the guy in the doghouse. Marner's been there. Bozak's maybe got a permanent spot there. Connor Brown moves up to the number one line. What I mean, you you know, you talked about how good they are. Does he keep that rolling? Do you think does, does Willie Nylander not lose Matthews uh, as a centerman for a little while? Yeah, well, I th- I think Brown will stay there on Thursday. Yeah, um, I thought last night as much as Nylander has struggled, and now he's at one goal in eighteen games. I mm-hmm. thought he played pretty well last night. He had yeah. a couple of chances where the. Yep. Puck bounced over his stick, but I, I thought he worked hard and he only played ten minutes. You yeah. know, like the you've got to now you've got to fight your way back to get your ice time. But I thought in in the way that that game was going to set up, playing Brown with Matthews and Hyman, that that meant Babcock had zero worries about playing them against Monahan. Yeah. Now they'll, I would assume. They'll play, try and go the same way in Edmonton against McDavid, but McDavid's wingers are Milan Lucic and Mike Camilleri. Yeah, like you know, that's a completely different game. Maybe maybe they don't even try to match those lines up in Edmonton because you know Camilleri is not very fast mm-hmm. anymore. Um, Lucic is not a fast guy, but of course a powerful guy. So yep. maybe they maybe the matchup changes, but I think. I I think the lines stay the the way they are for at least for the near yeah. future, and then when somebody else goes in the tank, um, and if Nylander's playing well, then they'll yeah. rotate some guys sure. around. I mean, I I I just I thought they played so well last night. I just don't see any reason for them to make a change. Yeah, and Josh Levo's sitting there waiting, scored, then uh, sat Levo's there, Soshnikov's there. Those yeah. guys just practice, man. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. It sucks for them, but um, like, there's no way that. Matt Martin's coming out of the lineup in Edmonton. No, no, definitely not. Edmonton's big, and and I thought Martin played very well last night, actually. He's, um, look, he's limited in what he can do. Uh, Babcock likes him in the lineup, and that spot is one that, you know, Levo can't win. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're thinking of Levo, (laughs) you know, how are you going to get into the lineup? Well, because he's, you know, they're not the same player, 
that you're not even competing for the same spot. You yeah. might as well be yep. competing with a defenseman. You're not going to play there either. Yeah, you're not getting that spot. Yeah, you're not doing that kind of work. Um, uh, by the way, TSN insider Darren Drager going to join us. Come back on the pod. Um, you're, not, you're not the insider that Dregs is, uh, Ray. No, but, I don't uh, want to be. Yeah, you've those guys. <laughs> They they get in they get into some pretty nasty stuff and oh, I, sometimes guys aren't very happy with them. Yeah, I guess guys aren't happy with me sometimes. But I think, I think the one similarity Dregs and I have is we don't you don't really care. But you're you just don't, doing your job. Yeah, but you don't have to. Um, so yeah, people probably aren't happy with things that you say. But you can exist and float around this 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 world of where you just go rink to rink and call the games. Dregs has to call these guys that don't like him sometimes. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. And, and I've, uh, I've said stuff that has not, you know, just, an, you know, it's my, because my yeah. job's all opinion, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I've said stuff that has not helped Dregs do his job. <laughs> True. And, right. And, right. And he's not been, and he's sent me a note, hey, yeah. Know, you know what, Head? Yeah. Um, you're not helping me out here. Yeah. I'm like, oops. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, I, uh, I do. Oh, well. Yeah, huh. yeah, see, he gets over it. He's coming on the show. So Yeah, yeah there we go. A um, couple guys on the Flames I uh, wanted to check in and see what you knew. First up, Yager didn't play last night, lower body injury. But what would you find out? What stories did you hear about him? And also, too, like Sam Bennett. Like, what is going on with Sam Bennett? And this is going to lead to our conversation about Braden Shen down the line here in the show that I want to bring up. But what is up with Sam Bennett? Well, okay, we'll start with Yager. Yeah. He had, um you know, a, again, a lower body injury. And look, this is the perils. You sign a 46 year old guy. He's, I don't care what kind of shape he's in. Eventually, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like a racehorse. I mean, he's, he's got to be right. Yep. You know, he's not, that's, that's just the way he's always been. Um, but there's going to be nights where he just can't play. And um, I was told yesterday, like every game he makes, Two or three plays that create a chance, mm-hmm. but there's long stretches where you just don't notice them. Sure. And again, that's with certainly no disrespect. That's the ball game with a yeah with a guy that's that old. I would think that's so, right? A, sure. That's just the the way it is. Uh, as for Sam Bennett, they drafted him fourth overall in the draft. They, um, you know, they they drafted him as a center. They. They tell us, you know, when we're talking to guys that they like him, they like that he's strong and he competes hard, but nothing happens when he's on the ice. He's now playing on the wing. Mm-hmm. They've moved him between the wing and center, and he's got one goal. Um, last night I thought he actually was was okay. He he had the puck a little bit. He made a couple mm-hmm. of plays. And then when your year is shit, shit happens to you. <laughs> and, you know, so yeah. there's – a minute left in the game, and Freddie Anderson's going to try and score into the empty net because they're up by two. Right. And he goes to shoot it, and he hits him right in the face, hits Bennett right in the face from about three feet. And it just it made my stomach drop. I felt so bad for him. Yep. Because, look, he's got enough problems right now. Mm-hmm. Not that you ever need to be hit in the face, but that's the time you don't need yeah. to be hit in the face. Yep. And so I, I, felt, I felt bad for him. He's... He looks lost right now. And it's, you know, you can say, oh, just do these two things and the game will come back to you. But it's hard to do those two things because you do two things right and one other thing gets leaky on you. It's like you can't, yeah. you can't get enough good stuff together to play yourself out of the hole. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because he came on strong, right? He looked great. He's big. Um, you're like big center guy. And 
man, it just has not gone right. Um, do they do they ship them out? What are the what? what, what no, 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 it's too young. You Hang on to them. You can't yeah. do that now. Yeah. You can't. What you have to do is try and find a spot for them, and mm-hmm. you have to try and work with them to to get him into a position where he can be successful. Hey, I got to tell you something. I'm standing in my hotel room in Calgary. I'm looking out onto the street. I'm watching this guy parallel park a smart car. (laughs) So he's great at it, It's a golf cart. It's a golf cart, basically. There is enough room, I'm not even kidding, to put like a F-150 in there (laughs) in between the two cars. Yeah. This guy went back and forth five times to get that car in there. It, it looked like it looked like the scene in Austin Powers when they're trying to turn around in that hallway. Yeah, that's right, right, right. I'm like, how could he not get this in? I wanted to yell to him as we were talking about Sam Bennett. Just put it in there. You got it, bro. <laughs> like, you couldn't. If, if he tried to hit each car, I don't think he would have enough gas in the space there to go back and forth. I can't, anyway, that was just a little yeah. aside of what's happening in my day. Yeah. So hang on to Sam Bennett, though. And, and maybe an injury happens, and you, and you put him back in the middle, and, you know. But he's still yeah. – I, I think, Steve, I think thing, the one thing to really remember here is he's 21. Yeah. Right? Like he's, yeah, you think he's, he's older. Not, yeah, you do think he's yeah, older. And he, so he's just a kid. So – what if it takes him till he's 23 to figure it out, and then he plays for you for eight years? Yeah, man, you'd be happy with that. Yeah, yep. Like I, I look at players that are 25, 26, 27. There is still five or six really good years possible for that player if you find the right spot. Look how many guys out of out of college they come. They're 22. First year's not so great. Second year, they play a few games. Now they're 24. They get there at 25, and they're effective. And it seems like an overnight story or that they're an old guy, yet it takes time. Everybody's different. Every, everybody gets to the, the dance at a different time. Well said. All right, let's, uh, let's bring Dregs in and uh, get, some, uh, get to the bottom of some things, shall we? We should. Now, as promised, on the line from uh, TSN, TSN Insider, Darren Drager. Dregs, thanks for coming back on the show. Uh, Ferraro and I are, are into year two, so uh, thank you for coming back on. Yeah, I'm surprised as you guys are that you're on year two, and uh, I've been invited back, but thanks for having me. <laughs> Great. Well, actually, the, t- the fact that the two things have happened are, are really you know, really quite significant. I mean, we, we argued about whether to have you back on, but we thought, well, why not? I just assumed somebody canceled last minute. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the list was long, Drake. The list was long. <laughs> hey, Drake, you're starting to tweet out your backyard rink stuff, eh? Yeah, I know. Pe- pe- people starting to get into it? They do, and, you know, it's, uh, I guess it's not shocking to me, but it is mildly surprising uh, the level of people that uh, reach out to me with interest in it. You know, I'm, I'm going to the Board of Governors meetings uh, December 7th in Florida, and these are NHL owners, general managers, governors, obviously, and, uh, you know, they're more interested usually in the chitty chat with me based on what I'm doing with the rink. Uh, <laughs> am I refining it in any way? The gallery that we post on tsn.ca, et cetera. So, I mean, for that reason, the fact that, you know, again, I'm a prairie boy. That's where I come from. Those are my roots. 
I've got an interest in it, and uh, people seem to, to want to see the gallery of the pictures from all over the world. It's not just Canadian or yeah. North American. I'm now getting pictures from the Czech Republic and Switzerland, so uh, it's kind of a, a fun annual tradition. It's kind of cool to see, like, some of them are these just elaborate yeah. productions that people go through, and others are the rinks that I remember as a kid. You know, like, there's everything's kind of jerry-rigged around, and it looks... It, in their own way, they look awesome. I, yeah. I, I think they're they're terrific, and that's what it boils down to, right? Uh, it, it it doesn't have to be this uh, high tech, very expensive, you know, backyard extravaganza. It can simply be a pond. I mean, that's mm-hmm. basically where I grew up, you know, playing hockey as a kid with my brother and you know buddies from around the neighborhood and and such. And but even the lakes, you know, like somebody from I think it was Switzerland tweeted a picture of this lake that was pristine that they were skating on and i you know my bucket list isn't overly long but i've added it to the bucket list i want to go skate on this thing and uh, see what it's all about so it does go from one extreme to the other well so there those guys are out there for the love of the game we've got an event coming up in february that has turned into the business of the game and that's the olympics um what's the latest um thought on what's I, I don't even know if there's even been any quasi resolution to it with the Russian entity and the doping allegations and sanctions against them and whether they're gonna be in the hockey tournament and yeah. um and I guess that's the first one and then we'll get into the rest of the you know, Canada and the rosters and the stuff. Where right. what do you hear? What do you know there? Well, it's, look, it's it's an ongoing process, and uh, it's unfortunate, obviously. I think the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, is still waiting uh, for direction from Russia, and, and maybe the IOC has to step in and make a, a full-out decision on this as well, you know, amid all of the, the doping scandal that has plagued this country and the Federation uh, for you know, a couple of years now. And how is that going to trickle down, you know, to the Olympics and specifically into hockey? You get earlier this week, the IIHF, the International Ice Hockey Federation, released a statement basically saying that the KHL must allow clean players to participate from all countries in the Winter Olympics in South Korea. That was a step in the right direction for all the federations who now, because the NHL isn't going, are going to have to lean on these KHL players. But is that a slam dunk? Is that actually what's going to happen? Or can we be sure that the Continental Hockey League is going to allow these players to participate? That's the great fear for the United States, for Canada, you know, for all of these, uh, for all of these countries who have to ice what they hope will be a, a real strong competitive team. You know, if those players aren't available, then what do they do? So I don't think we're going to have that answer firm until early December. Oh, geez. Dregs, does the, does the IIHF have enough juice to pressure the IOC, or is it the other way around? Probably the other way around. And, and, and I, would, I would guess that that's a pretty big source of frustration for the double IHF. But, you know, I'll extend that even further. You know, the IIHF, as I said, came out with its statement, you know, basically telling the KHL what they had to do. But does that mean that the Continental Hockey League is going to abide by that? 
And, and you know, after all, uh, the Russian Ice Hockey Federation also has some clout. Now, the sanctions that can be imposed by the IIHF, you know, could be catastrophic. You know, you're talking about, I presume, other international events, you know, not just the, the Winter Olympics, which, you know, Russia, I would think, would be the favorite team going in. Uh, but maybe that hits other platforms like the women's platform, mm-hmm. the World Hockey Championships, the World Juniors, and on and on it goes. So I, I just I don't think that that's a fight that Russia and the KHL really wants to engage in with the double IHF. Uh, but from my perspective, from a, a reporting standpoint, I, I, I'm curious. I, I want to see just how much close the double IHF and then by extension, Ray, the IOC has in this. So now as as countries are trying to figure out whether they're going to get their KHL players or not released to them, um, right. Canada and the United States have a, another level or another uh, layer to, to wonder about, and that's whether college or junior players are going to be involved in this process. And uh, Steve thinks the junior players are going to be. I don't. Um, but now a couple of college players are going to go and play um, in the Spangler Cup, uh, correct? Correct. Uh, Dylan Sakura, who's uh, with Northeastern, and Jake Evans, who uh, is with uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, are on the roster or expected to be named to the roster to play in the Spangler Cup. And then by extension, the belief is they'll go on and likely will make the Olympic team. Um, You know, I mean, both these guys uh, are drafted players. Uh, Sakura drafted by Chicago. And Jake Evans is a draft pick of the Montreal Canadiens. So, and and one is 22, the other one's 21. Where it gets more complicated, I believe, is in junior hockey. And I can tell you guys, I've spoken to uh, at least a few Canadian Hockey League owners. You know, from the Ontario Hockey League and from the Western Hockey League and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. For the most part, these guys are livid. They're livid. And look, they don't want to stand in the way of these young men having the opportunity to represent their country. And, you know, specific to the Olympics, that's what we're talking about here. But, you know, they're also trying to run a business, and they're also trying to uh, protect these young athletes. Imagine if, you know, these young men are asked to play for their country at the upcoming World Junior Championships, and then they're returned back to their junior club, and then they've got to go to the Olympics, and then they've got to come back, and they're expected to be game-breaking players for that junior club going into the playoffs and, and potentially to the Memorial Cup. It just it gets to be ridiculous and, and too much. So there's a, an undercurrent of uh, dialogue, I would say, that's happening between Tom Rennie at Hockey Canada and a lot of the CHL owners. Well, uh, Dregs, I- I'm I'm firmly in the camp of letting these kids go. This is an opportunity of a lifetime. The junior guys can make their money, you know, other years or, or you know, or whatever Ray was yelling and screaming to me about last <laughs> last week. I mean, this is yeah. Oh, yeah. so Dregs, Steve doesn't quite get that these 61 junior operators are running a business, and this oh, is... this will be great. We'll lose our best players for some of them for a month now. And, yeah. oh, we don't make the playoffs, and that'll be just fine. I'm sure we'll get – no, we won't get This is the greatest opportunity one of these kids could ever have. This is awesome for them as a player, great for the country. Let them go. Let them yeah. go. I, I hear you, but I, for me it, it becomes less about the business and more about the health of these young men. 
I mean, they play a real aggressive schedule. I don't think people fully appreciate Raywood because he lived it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Brandon Wheat Kings and, and the days that you spent in the Western Hockey League, Ray, were spent on a bus. You're not flying from point A to, to point B and, and being yeah. catered to. You're eating soggy sub sandwiches on a bus and traveling 10, 15, in some cases, 20-plus hours. And that's the reality of junior hockey. So at some point, somebody's got to step forward and say, okay, enough is enough. These are still developing young men. And in some cases, you know, you're probably not going to take anyone less than an 18, 19, maybe a 20-year-old to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. But they're far from fully matured. So, I, I mean, the health of the player becomes more of an issue for me. Okay, well, fine. You too. You can join Ray's side. Um, Darren, what do you hear about uh, Jerome McGinley? Uh, has some surgery. Is this a, yeah. Could this happen? Uh, it could happen in terms of him playing. I mean, his intent is that he too will be part of Canada's uh, submission into the Springer Cup. And, you know, if that goes well, and if he's able to play there, then for sure he, he'd be a strong Olympic consideration for Team Canada. And then if he plays well there, maybe he's hoping that he can return to the National Hockey League after that. Again, I had uh, what, what I understand to be a real small hip procedure recently, you know, a few weeks back now. But I think you know, they probably went in there and cleaned it up. That's not unusual for any player. Uh, he is on the men, appears to be doing well. And the sense is that if he hasn't been cleared already, he's, he's going to be cleared by doctors uh, in the next few days and should be back on the ice resuming skating as early as next week. And so, as I said, if all goes according to his plan, then he wants to represent his country uh, at the Spangler Cup and then decide uh, where he goes from there. What do you think of that, Ray? What do you think about Iggy's chances? Like, uh, think he can do it? Think this is, this is cool? Oh, I, I think he can, but I, I don't, you know, you gotta, you gotta think like for anybody that misses time, you're trying to catch, I, I call it a moving bus. You know, things are moving along here. Every, you know, now you're into December, you haven't played, you haven't, you know, you haven't been in game spots and I know, mm-hmm. you know, experience can, can and does help, but Dregs, it would be a tough ask, wouldn't it, to be, to catch right up to speed? I would think so. You know, I mean, he's he's always been a player that's you noted as, as being well-conditioned and, and always in good shape. He looked after himself, but he played the game real tough, too. And anybody who watched Jerome last season and maybe the last couple of seasons, I mean, he's, he's slowed down. That's just nature taking its course. Um, but, you know, he wants to go out on his terms, and I respect him for that. And, you know, if he feels that he's got enough left in the tank coming off you know, this procedure and this injury, and he can compete at that level, then good on him. Maybe he'll get another look in the National Hockey League. But he could also face harsh reality where he's not up to speed, even at the the Spengler Cup level. Mm -hmm. And if that becomes the reality, then I think that we know that that'll probably be the end of the line. Well, one team that's not looking for players right now, um, because it's the surprise of the season, is, is Vegas. Like I, yeah. I don't know. Whatever any any of us thought Vegas was going to be, it wasn't this. Um, no. What do the other What do the other managers think? Um, you know, you talk to to all of them on I'm sure a weekly basis, I guess. But what do they think with what Vegas was able to do with the expansion draft and what they've been able to do now? Do they Do they yeah. think it was unfair? Do they? I'm convinced I, I don't even I can't even get my head around how Vegas has done this with five different goalies. Like how the hell did that well, happen? 
Well, that's exactly where it starts. How have they done that? You know, with how do they continue to do it with uh, the amount of turmoil and adversity they faced in the crease alone, yet let alone the fact that they're an expansion team and they shouldn't be anywhere near this good. The reaction I get from, you know, other managers is a healthy amount of respect for George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon and the work that they put in in scouting all of the NHL clubs and their American League affiliates and doing the due diligence and the groundwork that they did in preparation for the expansion draft, that automatically, I mean, that's just one manager kind of, you know, being nice and respectful of the other manager, in this case, McPhee and and McCrimmon. Then the flip side is, well, I guess they got what they paid for. And there's, (laughs) there's the dark side of it, but... Right. Truthfully, that that's the way it should be. I mean, Bill Foley paid $500 million for an NHL expansion franchise, uh, a real big ticket. And because of that, you know, Bettman and company convinced the owners that they had to feel some pain. You know, this organization couldn't limp into the National Hockey League and be irrelevant in November. You know, they had to be a team that could at least show signs that they were going to contend for a playoff spot in the new year, maybe even as late as early March. And, you know, that's what the Vegas Golden Knights are about now. Now, saying all that, no one could have predicted that they would start as strongly as they have. But uh, I also feel, and guys, I'd like to hear your view on this. I think that there's there's a good amount of pride involved in this too, right? I mean, these are players, right or wrong, that were pushed aside by their club. Now, there were strict restrictions on who you could protect and who mm-hmm. you couldn't and all of the detail work that went into that. But at the end of the day, if you're James Neal, you feel like you're a pretty big piece of the Nashville Predators, yet apparently you're not. So <laughs> you want to go to Vegas and, and, and show not only Nashville but the rest of the NHL that you know, you're still a very good NHL player. Well, that's a, it's a and, oh, and, go ahead. Sorry, Steve, I was just going to say for some of these guys, like a guy like Alex Tuck, it's his first real chance. And so, you know, that, that means something. The, for, for some guys, for some older guys, it might be their last best chance. And then there's guys like Neil who could play on dozens of teams in the league. And all of it kind of comes together. And I, Gerard Gallant must have, must have been or has done a very good job oh. in – Finding those guys, uh, finding their their way that they're here's your role to accept your role because it sounds like it's easy to build a culture when you don't have one at all, yeah. but it's actually really difficult because there are no guidelines. There's nothing set in the ground. Everybody's coming from a different team where the, everybody does things a little differently, and yeah. I. I'm I'm blown away to be honest. Man, I played on one of the worst expansion teams in the history of the game. I'm totally blown away by what what well, Vegas has done. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like Dreg's theory, your theory, Dreg's on on these guys having something to prove is totally accurate and correct. What the hell happened in Atlanta, Ray? Did those guys yeah. not want to prove anything? Yeah, no, we just we had lots of pride. We just weren't very good. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a lot of guys playing in the NHL that shouldn't have been playing in the NHL. Vegas <laughs> right. doesn't have that. Right, right. No, now, Drake, that's does fair. George McPhee changes? Does he change their plan at all? Like, say this goes on for another forty games. Yeah, and you and you're in first or second place in your division, and the plan, of course, is to trade or was to trade maybe some assets and accumulate younger and more draft picks, and 
they can't do that if they're in first or second place, can they? I know, and I, I'm telling you, that is going to be perhaps the most captivating story of our coverage as we start to really drill down on you know, who's available, who isn't available, the movers, the shakers heading up to the February 26th trade deadline. Um, because, look, you know, traditionally speaking, when you go through a rebuild, or in this case, obviously, it's expansion, you know, the, the best path to success is building a sound foundation. And you do that by drafting and developing your players. So it would make sense that they move out some pieces, uh, and and try and acquire some picks and and do that the the, the traditional fundamental way. Are they going to be able to do that? I mean, the, the, they're somewhat beholding too to the season ticket pace and the great fan base that is still really really young. I mean, it's a rookie group still largely trying to get a hold of what hockey is all about. You know, how do you explain that? I mean. Every sports fan can look at the standings and recognize where their team is and what the, the, the playoffs mean. So all of a sudden, they start moving out David Perron. They start moving out James Neal. They move this piece, that piece. Mm. You know, the fan base is going to be, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? You know, you know let's qualify for the playoffs. Who knows what happens after that? I honestly don't think that they've, they've made that determination yet, they being McPhee and McCrimmon and the management group. I, I think they're enjoying well, great, the moment. Oh, sorry to interrupt, Steve. You're a season ticket holder. What would you, what would you think? Yeah, yeah. It, it is it is amazing. I, 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 you know, Winnipeg was on fire. They come in, Vegas shuts them down, and then it continued to be on fire. Uh, Colorado yeah. comes in. They play horrible. They lose seven nothing, and immediately after that game, they start picking it up. Bruins were on a roll when they came in, and and Vegas shut them down. Like these guys are for real. Yeah. Like I, I I go to these games, <laughs> and I'm telling my wife like. This team's on a roll. Like, watch out. Like, you're going to, you know, this is going to be because she's a big Knights fan. And uh, and then next thing you know, the Knights roll through these dudes. And I'm always like, wow, you know, like, holy crap. And I'll tell you what, the fans are really, I mean, there's a lot of visitor uh, jerseys for sure. Um, probably San Jose was the least amount we've seen, I would say, out of, out of all the teams so far. Um, and I didn't go to last night's game. But, um, man, I'll tell you what, the fans are really getting behind them. And I think if they were to do a sell off, Dregs, I think the fans would be bummed. Like they, they're into it. Yeah. Man. Nah, I get that. So maybe you, you, know, you don't do a full fire sale. Maybe you just move out a couple of pieces. But that's even going to be tricky. You know. Again, th- th- there'll be interest in in the players that I've mentioned in in Neil and and David Perron. Um, but you know, if you move those pieces out, you know, does that drastically impact your chances of either making the playoffs or doing anything in the playoffs? And the answer is probably yes. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that they have this, they being uh, management in Vegas, have this conversation more than once a week. Drake's going to switch over to Pittsburgh where two things have popped up. Um, Lots of things have popped up in Pittsburgh, I guess, this year. I mean, but there's a couple of note. Uh, Matt Murray gets hurt. They uh, it, in the two to four week range, I guess. But yeah. they don't really have another goalie. Uh, you know, Tristan Jerry is there is now the starter, and he was the young guy that they didn't think was ready at the start of the year because they had Antti Niemi there to back up, and Niemi couldn't stop anything. So Jerry became the backup. Now they've They've got two kids in goal and no Murray for a month. Do they go and try to make a Mike Condon-type move, who they lost for a fifth-round draft pick last year? Like, Do they try and make that a move 
something like that, or do they try and ride this out? I, I look. I, I'm pretty sure Jim Rutherford, the general manager, is on the phone, uh, you know, and, and checking in on you know players like Eddie Locke or even Andrew Hammond, you know, pieces like that who you know aren't great ads. You just need somebody who's going to you know, give you a little bit more comfort and some insurance if things don't go the way that you expect and hope they're going to go with Tristan Jerry. Uh, but, you know, Rutherford, as of yesterday, you know, is saying all the right things. You know, he's got high confidence in Tristan Jerry. You know, it's not dissimilar to the situation where Matt Murray was introduced, you know, to the starters role of the Pittsburgh Penguins a few years back. And, you know, look, two years ago, you know, without, you know, his heroics, the Pittsburgh Penguins don't win the Stanley Cup. I mean, this kid had no business playing as well as he did in the Stanley Cup final, and there he is, Mm -hmm. you know, backstopping the Penguins to that win, and then he follows it up, you know, this past year, and, uh, you know, he's the very reason why Marc-Andre Fleury is uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights. So they have that level of trust and history and hope that Tristan Jerry is going to be able to get them through this gap. But, you know, what happens, and and I think that they're really going to, buckle down on on the injury of Matt Murray here. You know, you had the MRI yesterday, and as Ray, as you mentioned, it could be a two-week thing. It could be a four-week thing. What if it's a six-week problem? Or, or it lingers beyond that. Then you've got a real situation developing there. So I'd be real surprised if Rutherford doesn't try and address it via trade or uh, see what happens on waivers, something along those lines. Well, and then they also have, um, you know, what's come to be public knowledge, a defenseman in Ian Cole who they're looking or wants to be moved. And, again, you get back to Jimmy Rutherford, who's been around the block 23 times. And (laughs) so that's nice. Somebody wants to be traded. But unless the deal works, he's not going to move him. You know, you're not going to give a guy away. But does Cole become part of that? Or does that become, like, does this maybe burgeon into something a little bigger? Uh, with the Pangs, who who are just not the same, they're not the same team with the guys that they've lost over the last year and a bit. Well, and that's exactly what it is, Ray. You know, I I think that as as much as it is about the amount of hockey the Penguins have had to play over the past two plus seasons, it's more this season about the players who they don't have. These guys are still trying to get used to one another. You know, there's no Kunitz there. You know, he he was around. Crosby and company for such a, a long, long time. You know, Hainsey came in as a spare part and turned out to be a real important ad for the Pittsburgh Penguins last year. You know, Benino was hurt in the Stanley Cup final, but, you know, you can't argue the, the, the level of contribution that he provided in his time with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So they've added some pieces, and frankly, I think they were hoping guys like Gensel and Sheary would take another step in their development, and maybe they still will. You know, there's, there's still lots of time. But Rutherford, as you point out, Ray, is he's a real crafty, experienced general manager. And he just his timing is impeccable when it comes to making trades. So if, if there's something that makes sense specific to Ian Cole, there's no question they'll trade Ian Cole. But what's better for the Penguins is to have Ian Cole playing the way he played last year. You know, if, right. if if he's if he's playing the way he can play, we're not having this discussion because he's a mainstay on that blue line. But it's mostly his play that's put him in this predicament and, uh, you know, kind of driven the speculation here. Well, all right, uh, Dregs, thanks for the time, man. Uh, really appreciate it. Good stuff as always. And uh, Don't you think, Steve, there could be a third appearance here? 
Wow. Well, we'll see. Well, if McKenzie turns us down and, and O'Neill and McClellan. Yeah, well, I do know one guy we don't want is, is, is Duffy. Right. No. Right, right. No. Well, he's got a competing I mean, podcast. I'm, he's got another podcast. Yeah. yeah. He has his own podcast. And outside of Canada and maybe the CFL, does anyone really know who James Duffy is? <laughs> I, I have a question, Drake. We were talking earlier. We'll, we'll bring it full circle. We were talking about the pictures you post and the people you talk to about a backyard ring. Right. Would Duffy be the least qualified of all TSN employees to build a backyard rink? Yes. Well, hold on. <laughs> if, if, physically and know-how wise, yes, he, he, he couldn't do it himself. But, you, Ray, you know, James, you know the wherewithal here. Uh, I've been to his home. It is palatial. It is spectacular. And he's got a bit, pretty large checkbook, so he can always find somebody to come and build <laughs> that rank for him. That, that I, would, I, I would say, now, this is a guy we must tell the, the listeners that He's he's been to work. He had a boo boo on his finger that he had taped on the air that you could see he broke his finger. What was he playing? Touch football or frisbee or something? Yeah, I think it's flag football. Yeah, flag football. Then he t- he hurt his hamstring one year playing yeah. some other recreational sport. He's he's really kind of they call us on air guys poodles, and James is is a poodle. He's the ultimate one. He's definitely that. Um, well, awesome. Uh, thanks, Darren. Yeah, you might have earned yourself a third spot, so congratulations on that. And um... <laughs> Yeah, great. Way to go, Drake. <laughs> well, next, next time it'll be on my terms and not yours when you're stuck, but that's okay. I, I don't hold a grudge. Appreciate it, Drake. We'll see you soon, bud. <laughs> okay, guys. Thanks. Good stuff from uh, Dregs, Ray, and uh, and thank you, Darren Dreger, for coming on. Uh, I keep thinking, Ray, and uh, and Dregs didn't mention it, but Calvin Pickard. There we go. Boom. Make it happen, Mer- uh, Rutherford. Well, okay, so there is there is when I, you know, when I brought up Ian Cole, mm-hmm. is that, you know, if you're trading a later draft pick, then maybe it's a guy like Andrew Hammond, yeah. who's in Colorado, that Colorado doesn't want to carry sa- Hammond's salary. Um, maybe that would be, you know, I mean, Dregs brought up his name, and that was my first thought. That's a later pick. If it's Ian Cole, it becomes a bigger deal. Yep. Because Cole's a, a you know a Stanley Cup champion. He's a sure. good defenseman who hasn't played very well. Now, you know, it's you know Toronto has got, you know, now they've you know they've they've got McElhaney, they've got Garrett Sparks who's playing exceptionally well yep. in the American League, and. And then they have Pickard. Like, would they move one of those guys? Yeah. Like, what if it's McElhaney? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Like if, that, it, that, yeah. But see, McElhaney's got another year on his contract, so maybe, maybe that takes him out of the mix. You know, like, yeah, the, yeah. so these are all moving parts that the managers have to figure out. But I, I can't, I can't believe that Pitt is not going to make a move. I, I think yeah. they have to. You've got two it's... incredibly inexperienced guys trying to hold your team together. I, I just don't see it. Absolutely, especially when every point counts, like we talked about last week with backup goalies and yeah. everything else. You know, um, you never know. Um, all right, um, a couple things uh, before we wrap it up here. We'll take your questions, too, on Twitter. For, for uh, Thank you for those uh, people. And uh, paulpocky.com is the website. If you want to go, you can use a submission form on there and uh, or just use social media. Uh, in talking about Bennett, I, I wanted to bring this full circle, and I mentioned Braden Shen. Now, Shen has done more in the league than, than Bennett ever has, but with Jaden Schwartz and Braden Shen racking up the points in St. Louis, 
Like, there's another reason. Now, LA gave up on Shen in, in the deal a while ago, but like, never, you never know. Like, Shen is coming into his own right now, and it's been a while, you know? Right, but you know, Shen is a far more accomplished player, even it is. He is. at the beginning of his career than than Sam Bennett. Bennett had, you know, barely has a toe in the water. Right. Um, you know, to get going now, Shen had, had gone to uh, was drafted by Los Angeles, was traded to Philadelphia, um, and then, um, you know, yeah. Kind of mucked around yeah, there he was, for a little he bit. He was good, but, right? But uh, yeah, but but they they didn't think he could play center anymore, so they had him on the wing. Then he gets to St. Louis, and they're like, "Yeah, we need you to play center." And mm-hmm. one of the reasons they needed to play center is Patrick Berglund, who had such a great year last year, was out with shoulder surgery, so hasn't played yet. So they get they get Shen in the middle, and oh, by the way, here are your two wingers, Tarasenko and <laughs> Schwartz, yeah. and. Man, it's it's just exploded for him. Mm-hmm. And Braden's a really good kid. Um, I know him a little bit. Um, he's he's um, he's one of those one of those guys. I find myself. Yeah, I hope they do well. Yeah, because he's yeah. he's just a good kid, and um, he's having a having an amazing start to the season. Um, you know, they're a quarter of the way in, and um, that line yeah. has been as good as anybody, and so. Now, just just think of the depth that St. Louis is going to have when Berglund gets back. I was I was a guy that at the start of the year, remember how oh, yeah. they just got crushed yep. in injuries? Like, they weren't even in, into the regular season. They lost Curtis Sanford with a shoulder surgery. <laughs> He's a really good young player. They're not going to get him back till like, late February. Mm-hmm. Berglund's getting close. They lost Bo Meester. Doesn't matter. Yep. They beat everybody. Yeah. It's really, really something to watch, and um, they're they're a good team. They're yep. they're among the league's best right now. Them, Tampa Bay, um, are Columbus somehow with their power play that, as to borrow John Tortorella's term, it sucks. <laughs> they get the worst power play in the league. I don't, I don't know how the hell they win games yeah. when their power play is so bad. But anyway, yep. they do. But uh, to your point on Shen, he has been terrific. And uh, switching to Shen's old club, the Flyers, uh, nine in a row, nine losses in a row, closed-door meeting after San Jose lost last night. What is going on in Philly? Well, they've, they've been hurt by a, you know, on, on a number of fronts. You don't lose nine in a row just by accident, right? <laughs> right. What ends up happening is you, you know, the holes on your team get exposed, um, and so they've they've lost uh, Radko Gudis, who's in the midst of his ten game suspension. Yeah. So they lose, you know, they lose his physical play. Um, that's not a game breaker, but yeah. they miss him. Um, their goaltending for the forty eighth straight year has been <laughs> iffy at best. Right. You know, they need a guy. They need a guy like Sergei Bobrovsky. Yeah, they do absolutely. Oh, they ha- oh he they would look good. Him. Right. Yeah. They traded him for three draft picks. Yep. And yep. so, so back to Sam Bennett again. It's funny how things kind of can go back and around. They they decided that you know they they had some decent depth in goal, and Bobrovsky was a young guy, and they traded him for draft picks. Well, they didn't even know what they mm-hmm. were trading away yet, as it's turned out. I mean, the guys won two Vezinas. Yep. Things in Philly would be a lot different. Yep. Um, they have players like Jordan Wheel and Travis Konechny that have scored one goal in like 21 or 22 games. Um, those are supposed to be depth scorers for them, like you yeah. know, behind their yep. their top line. Sean Couturier has had a great start. 
Giroux has quite a few points, but it, it just doesn't seem as dangerous anymore. And same with Jacob Voracek. They're really good players, but yep. while that line has carried them offensively, they don't seem quite as dangerous. They don't control the play like they used to control it. So I look at the Flyers. They don't have much depth in scoring. Their blue line is really young, yeah, very young. Young defensemen make mistakes, and they make lots of them. And then if your goalie can't cover you up, you lose nine in a row. Mm-hmm. And so there we go. There is it's a tough time in Philly right now. I I like a lot of their prospect pool. They have a a really strong draft record. They have some really good young defensemen. It's going to take time. I don't I don't know how much time they have to you know. Do they stay with Dave Hex, Haxtell? Um, the fans were chanting "Fire Haxtell" last I night, heard which that. of course yeah. shouldn't matter yeah. one way or another. But it doesn't make things very comfortable. But um, you know, you got to be careful that the season just doesn't get away from you here in the in the next four weeks or so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we get to the questions, is it just are the Habs back? Uh, Carey Price is all they needed. Uh, Blue Jackets were on a roll. Uh, they lost. They beat, they beat Sabers, of course. Everybody's beating the Sabers. Um, but, yeah, well, they beat the worst team and they beat one of the best teams. Yep. yep. And the common denominator is Carey Price stopped seventy three of seventy five shots. So he's back. <laughs> well, he's back, which is, you know, which is still a story because he was not very good at the start of the year when mm-hmm. he was playing. Um, and then, so I don't know what to make of it yet. Steve. Yeah, we'll just um, wait. It looks mm-hmm. like Shea Weber's going to play tonight, Wednesday. Uh, he's going to be back in the lineup, um, but he's missed four. But I, I, don't, I don't love the construction of their team. Carey mm-hmm. erases, Carey Price erases a lot of problems. I mean, he, he really does. Um, if he stops the puck at a 9.22 or 25 clip, mm-hmm. then maybe they got a chance. But sure. I, I didn't pick them for a playoff spot at the start of the year, and I still don't have them there now. Yet, you look at them, and they're not that far back. Yeah. You know, they're not that far away. Yeah, they're not, a tra- they're not a train wreck anymore. They're not a train wreck anymore. No. Yeah. 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 And so, so that is something. Is it a wives' tale that I read in the media? Uh, oh, when you got a great goalie back there, the players are looser and they're taking more chances in the in the offensive zone, and then it's working out because they know they have this great goalie back there. Is that is that no. true? Okay. No. All right. You've no, re- because you don't take more chances. Because if you're the guy giving up the chances, eventually you don't play whether the guy behind you stops them or not. Right. Right. Okay. So it's it's um, you read, but it does. I'm, I'm, it is. Certain. I mean, there's an uneasiness that that you can feel on a team when the goalies yeah. are struggling, like you. And when, like for example, that a play will go over the blue line, mm-hmm. and you can feel yourself being a little nervous. <laughs> or a play goes into the into the zone, and you just know the guy's going to stop it anyway. Yeah. Right. Like it just it, it doesn't change the way you play because on the ice you're trying to make that play in that moment. It does change the way you watch the game from the bench, though. Yeah. Guaranteed. Well, I was going to say, did you have a lot of that uneasiness in Atlanta over the years? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that, but I'm sure there were lots of times when um, a goalie would look out and see me standing there and go, geez. <laughs> oh, my God. Exactly. Look at him. Uh, what the hell is he covering besides nothing? All right. Let's get into some Twitter questions at Paul Pocky. Uh, don't send them to Ray because he gets swamped with mentions and. He'll just get upset. So just send them to me at Paul Pocky. Yeah, I don't know. I don't answer them because I know you get them. Right. Here we go. So from Rod Blanchard, 
A lot of fans would like to see an upgrade to Bozak for the number three center on the Leafs. My take is that the Leafs already have a terrific number three, who's Kadri. What I believe they're actually missing is a number two. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I, Kadri's got 12 goals. He's uh, tied with, with Matthews and Van Riemsdyk for the team lead. Um, he's a number two center. Yeah. And um, w- without question, uh, it would be far easier and far more cost-efficient to acquire a third center. If you want to upgrade from Bozak, mm-hmm. um, it would be far easier to do that than to try and find somebody to fit in the number two hole. That, you know, that, that I don't know that you need. Right. Because I, I think Kadri is that. Isn't it? Isn't I, don't, I don't have any question with him anymore as a number two center. Isn't his return around remarkable? The, suspended by the team for some stuff. And yep. he's on pace for 39 this year, 32 last year. Checks people. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. He, um, uh, I would say that's among Babcock's biggest wins um, as the Leafs coach. Um, do, do any of Komarov, Bozak, or JVR come back next year? Um, it's early, but. I would say, it's early. I would say the one that has the greatest chance is JVR. Okay. And I don't give and I don't give that as a great chance. Right, right. The signing of Marlowe seems to have taken away the money that would be available. Now, if the cap goes up, maybe so. Yeah. But um, I don't see for Komarov. Um, I don't see for Bozak. You know, they just re-upped with Levo, and you know the conversation that Lou had with the agent was like, "Just give us a year. We got three guys. You have, you know, like you're going to play in yeah. in nineteen. You know. Well, the, the, no, it wouldn't be that you're going to play. You'll have an opportunity. Sure. Good point. Right. Um, All right, from Josh at All Sports and Music. Ray, what are the coaches uh, that are the hardest on their players as you hear it between the benches? Um, Well, there's a lot of guys that are pretty vocal. Um, Boucher in Ottawa. um, Babcock. um, Bill Peters in Carolina is is really vocal. Um, At the other end of the spectrum, John Stevens is a pretty measured guy. Mm-hmm. Um, don't hear a lot. Randy Carlisle hard on his guys. He's very vocal behind the bench. Um, Tortorella is, is hard on his guys. Um, you know, off the top of my head, I would say without going through every yeah. coach in the league, those would be, those would be among the most, of the, most vocal. Uh, Jamie McLennan's got a story of Daryl Sutter literally kicking the guys in the ass on the bench. <laughs> Well, Travis Green, who's coaching in Vancouver, yeah. he told they were just back in Long Island last night, or Brooklyn, as yeah. it is, and um, he was telling a story in about his fifth or sixth game he was playing and uh, sitting on the bench, and Al Arbor walked behind him and booted him in the ass <laughs> hard, yeah. and he leaned, leaned into him and he said, uh, you need to decide if you want to be an NHL player because the time is now. <laughs> Jesus. And uh, wow. the, like, But see, that's the way Al was because mm-hmm. – he didn't do that and then not play you. He right. did that, and then he double-shifted him, gave him an opportunity, and Travis played well. Yep. Travis earned his spot. Yeah. Uh, from Jeff Lawton, uh, Ray, do you prefer between the benches after years of watching or playing the, or playing the game at ice level uh, for watching the game? Between the benches or watching up higher, which do you prefer? Oh, between the benches. Yeah. I, I, I just feel more involved in the game and um, – I think I can see and hear some things that I wouldn't get up top. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly up top, you get a, a bird's eye view of everything, and, 
And that's a good place to be too. But when I'm down on the ice, I, I feel like I can, you know, I see this puck spinning. I see it bouncing. Um, uh, you can see when there's a panic on a guy as, um, you know, as he's losing time. You can see the chaos at yeah. the benches yeah. far more than you can when you're up top. Yeah. Uh, last night, no, no between the benches in the saddle, though? Uh, there is, but um, they, that's a, that's a, national. a Rogers right. building. Yep. And um, Rogers and Sportsnet uh, don't don't let us have the space between the benches. So upstairs I go. But everybody Being else, same kinda, in Edmonton. Everybody else kind of cooperates, but I guess in Canada it's the two giants, right, going at it. So yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I get if that if that if that makes them feel authoritative, great. Uh, because um, I saw you, you know, like in some rinks yeah. they don't because they sell the seats between there. Yes, because they actual ha- they have actual seats that come down right between the benches. In Calgary or in Edmonton, yeah. there's a photographer's well there. Yeah, like they're not selling the seats anyway. Um, like that, Vancouver's another place. They just don't let us go down there. You uh, when we, we did a silver stick presentation in the small talk, I heard you said, "Robotai, I'll be up top tonight because you you sold those seats." And you just yep. laughed. You were jabbing yep. him. <laughs> yeah, he's the business guy. He's right. like, yeah, bad break. Get upstairs. <laughs> exactly. But see, they're different. Like, I, it, There's a real difference there, Steve, in that there's actual seating mm-hmm. that comes right between the benches. Yep. And I get it. I get why they would sell those seats, for sure. Mm-hmm. But when it's an empty well and there's nobody there, I don't quite get it. But right. Beyond my pay grade. Sure. Um, all right, so the clips, uh, at the clips. What makes the World Junior so awesome? I love it, but I can't put my finger on exactly why. Um, I would say there's a couple of things. One is that um, the time of year um, makes, it, you know, makes it fun to watch mm-hmm. a hockey tournament at Christmas time. Number two is that these are you know, 18- and 19-year-old kids, and their passion is and enthusiasm is off the charts. Um, any event that is uh, country v. country, I think, carries extra weight. And, and back to the fact that because they're young, there's enough mistakes in these super talented kids that the games are wildly unpredictable. Yeah, yeah. And, like, there was a time when Canada won every year, and I thought the tournament was in danger. Mm-hmm. And now, that's not the case anymore. Canada doesn't win half the time anymore. Like if if you start to if you start to go back over you know the last twenty five years of the of the tournament, there's a you know there's a stretch there where Canada won most every year. Yep. And and that's that can't be good for the tournament. Um, you know it. It just isn't. Canada's got one gold medal in the last eight years. Is that what it is now? Jeez. Yeah, just two medals in the last five years. Holy smokes. I didn't think it was that long. Yeah. Wow. And and so you're like, oh, mm-hmm. gee, I guess. You know, and then when you think of it, you're like, yeah, they missed the quarters. They got knocked out in the quarters a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And so I think all of those things make the make the tournament just super exciting to watch. And Who's going to win this year? I don't know. Is Canada? Yeah. Is the United States? Or the Russians? Or the the Swedes and the Finns? Every year, there's five or five teams that have legit chances, I think. And then there's always somebody like the Swiss scare a lot of people. Yeah, you get into that crossover quarterfinal game, and the Swiss scare people because once you get into there, 
what if your goalie has a great night? Now you're a win away from the from the gold medal game. Yeah. Uh, Randy Pepler, uh, favorite vino recommendation on a Pinot Noir? Uh, no, I'm not a Pinot guy. No, okay. All right. Uh, I'm a cab guy, or uh, I'm I'm a big Barolo guy. Um, I um, I got to go to the Piedmont region where the Olympics were um, in 2006, and I was working for NBC and really learned a lot about it. And that's that's my favorite. All right, from Josh Peterson. Ray, have you ever had the famous fried bologna sandwich at Walensky's in Montreal? No, I have not. All right. I'm not a, I'm not a, like the, the sandwich places I've not, you know, like I, I've been to Permanente Brothers in, in uh, Pittsburgh, and that's like a lot of stuff on like, yeah. you know, like that's, a, that's too much for me. I've gone to Carnegie. Know, fried meat sandwiches yeah. and, yeah, and yeah. Carnegie and, the, and I don't know, I'm, I'm just okay on that stuff. Um, Burgers? Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm a burger guy. I don't eat many of them, but I do like them. Uh, and we already had the five guys versus in and out debate, I think, on here. Yeah, but yeah. see, I you were and if you yeah. and so if I get stuck if I get stuck with either one of those, I'm going to be really happy. Right. Uh, at John Canucks. What would Ray's process be for bringing a young player into the league? How much rope or advice would he give? Every player is different, but in general. Well, the the last part of that comment is is really correct, is mm-hmm. that it's it is so different player to player. You can have a template that you have in your head, um, but it's gonna be different. Some guys are gonna handle it better than others. For for me, um I look at a young guy, okay, let's let's assume that they're quasi-qualified, mm-hmm. quasi-ready to be in the league. I want to put them in a position where they can succeed. I'm not going to put an offensive player, a guy that's supposed to score and has scored in his previous level, I'm not going to put him with a couple of guys that aren't ever going to score. Uh, how's that going to work? Right. Um, I, I'm going to give him a couple of shifts, and then I'm going to back him off. Um, you know, let him sit out a shift. Then I'm going to put him back on. I'm going to give him the opportunity, though, to stay in the game. Mm-hmm. And then if he plays two or three games in a row um, and one of them's a little wonky, um, I might take him out for a night, give him a good practice, talk to him, show him some video, and then get him back in. I don't buy this, you sit around for 10 games and you're learning by practicing. To me, that's garbage. Yeah. After a while, you're like, well, what the hell? I'm just practicing anyway. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, at Mike DeCobb, uh, when you're in the hotel, before, after, during games in the road, what do you watch on TV? I never turn the TV on. Yeah, like, me- literally, the TV never goes. The remote is in the same place as when I enter the room. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not I'm, always. Right now, but, yeah. right now, I'm watching Ray Donovan. Yep. Um, before that uh, was The Wire. Um, and then I'm watching you know, game center and watching games. And, yeah. But I don't, I don't watch, I don't get to the TV much anymore. Yeah, I'm the same way. I like the yeah. quiet. By yeah. the way, I got two kids. <laughs> it's chaos. I like the quiet. Yeah. Uh, this question is for Josh Peters, from Josh Peterson at Pet Josh. It's more towards me, I guess. Uh, my daughter and I are road tripping from Salt Lake City for the Habs Knights game. Any advice for getting tickets, where to stay? Uh, so excited. She is in first grade and loves hockey. Um Josh, you can stay. There's tons of tickets available on StubHub, um, and they're, they're, the upper bowls are. I saw the upper bowl for like forty bucks, fifty bucks. Uh, the Habs might be a little tougher though. 
Uh, I've noticed, um, you know, definitely depends on the opponent. We were thinking about going to the Stars game last night, and tickets were pretty cheap. And then we were thinking about going to, to the Kings game, and tickets were expensive. So, um, advice for staying: uh, New York, New York is is right there. It's connected basically to the arena, and there's tons of there's little restaurants and shops all around there. And New York, New York is fairly cheap. So, look at the check that out, Josh. Um, John Monroe, Ray, how is it to live with the greatest American sportswoman since Jackie Joyner or Babe? Zarias. I don't know exactly how to say that. I don't know who Babe Zarias is. Uh, she was a golfer. Oh, okay. There we go. Um, how is that, right? <laughs> oh, I, honestly, but all kidding aside, you know, Cammy becomes a punchline to some of this stuff. You know, she just called while we were, while we're finishing up here, and, you know, I'm going to give her crap for taking a break <laughs> from moving into the house. But I, I got really lucky. Um, you know, I'm remarried, and uh, we're, uh, we got married in 2004, and she's she's awesome. She's, yep. she's a great lady. I don't know what the hell she's yeah. doing with me. She's got a lot of work there, for sure, but um, she is she's a great mom. She's a great partner. I've, I'm really lucky. And, she, and every once in a while when we argue, she will say, yeah, but, you know, I'm in the Hall of Fame and you're not. Exactly. No, there we go. She was uh, an amazing player, boy. Wow. Yeah. Um, all right. From James Bring, when this will be good for Ray's random NHLer. Uh, Ray, when you played against Slava Fatisov, he was basically at the end of his career. How would he be remembered if he played his whole career in the NHL? What do you remember about Slava? Oh uh, well, when I I played against him in the World Championships prior to him coming to uh, you know to to the Devils, um, he was a dominant player. Big and mobile, um, smart, mean. Um, he he would have been a Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah. You know, like he was. He, yes, we only got to see part of Fatisov. You know, just the the older version. Um, but man, he was he was the uh, he was the backbone of those teams. Um, him and Igor Larionov yeah. were were just amazing players. Have you ever seen the documentary on the Red Army team? Yes. How about uh, Kasatonov? kind of rat, ratting Fatisov out to the authorities about what he was trying to do, and they were defense partners, and then they, they ended up in Jersey together, and they were once buddies, and, and they both, they, you know, Fatisov didn't like him any. Like, wow, all that drama going yeah, on, was, you know? It's funny, like like any story, don't you think? There's there's so much more that we don't hear. Yeah, yeah. And hearing that stuff, I was like, whoa, that's... But that was that's complicated stuff, right? Like, yeah, they're, yep. you know, they were living the way they were living. They were living 11 months away from their families. And, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, and yeah, one like, month, one month allowed to go on holidays. That's it. Yeah. I, I did. What I liked was when the reporter was asking him a question and Fatisov was on his phone and uh, he's like, hang on. And he was like clicking away an answer on his phone. I just thought that was so good. <laughs> uh, from G Smith, Ray, white or black stick tape and why? Oh, me, white. Um, and the reason it was, was black tape my whole life. I'm in a slump. We're in Quebec City for something to do. <laughs> I is, tape my stick. This is great. This is going to be great, by the way. <laughs> I, I tape my stick white. Yes. Uh, I get three goals. Uh-huh. get a hat trick that night. I don't shoot the puck once. I deflect three shots in. <laughs> Never took white tape off again. <laughs> and the reason player, is, yeah. yes, because I got three goals, but... B, because it looks good. Um, Ray, you've got a choice from GT, uh, GTL212. You've got a choice between attending a Ryder Cup or the World Cup in soccer final. Which one? Right? Ooh. Oh, boy. Um, 
World Cup. Really? Wow, you love yeah, golf. I, I, because, wow. oh, I love golf. And, I, and the reason I pick um, the World Cup is I think the mayhem of the Ryder Cup and trying to get around the course to where everything's happening, that seems like it would be better on my couch. <laughs> But the World Cup to be to feel the tension yeah. and the you know the game is right in front of you. Oh, I, the World Cup for me. Maybe you should have put the Masters or same same th- same thing for you. Masters. Same thing. Yep. See the, the golf. I've, I've only been to two tournaments and I found it hard to to get to the places you want to get to. Mm, you know, okay. you're trying yeah, to yeah. follow. Where is everybody playing? Which group of them I want to go? Oh, gee, yeah. now somebody else is hot. I want to go over there and. Like it's hard yeah. to you know unless or you sit in one particular area and you watch the players hit the same shot over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, are you tired of the Tiger Woods talk? Like I am. Like give me a break. Um, it's over. It's I want over. Tiger to play and I want him to play well. Yeah. I I I I was a Tiger guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's it's, he's been gone so long now that it's you know it's hard to know. But it's a more interesting tour when he's involved. Um, you know, I, I, hell, I have no idea. I mean, right now, you know, he's going to, um, you know, he's going to put his tee in the ground and there's going to be 73,000 photos of it. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I guess in that sense, I'm tired of it, but I get it. And I, I hope he plays well enough that he can be a factor. All right. Last question from Scott Hill. What's the last movie you saw, Ray? Oh, jeez. With, I couldn't even tell you. With the kiddies, it's tough to get to movie theater, right? And oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah. But I, I, I want to say the last one I saw might have been the Minions. <laughs> like I don't, I can't even think of the last movie. I've, I, I'm one of these guys. Cammy and I both say, "Oh, we got to see that movie. Oh, let's watch that movie." And we at one point we had a list, and it got to about seventy. Yeah, I'm like, what the hell are we saving these movies for? We're never going to watch them. It's never going like, to happen. You know why are we even saving the list? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and good. so i I wish I I wish I could answer, but I'm not a movie guy. Noodles McLennan, there's your noodle, there's your movie guy. Right? Seems like he goes to movies by himself all the time. He loves it. Oh, he loves it. Yeah, not not for me. Uh, all right, everybody, uh, that's been another show, uh, Paul Pocky podcast with Ray Ferraro. Thanks to TSN's Darren Drager for coming on, and thanks to you people for listening each and every week. Appreciate it, Ray. I'm off to Winnipeg tomorrow. Knights Jets Friday. Awesome. I'm Enjoy. There. They're playing great. Dress warm. Yeah, I'm going to Yeah, good point. And uh, and thanks to uh, thanks to you Ray uh, for and thanks everybody for listening. You bet you have a great week everyone. Thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll talk to you in a week.